Happy Monday, Liberty Kitty Cats. And before we get into today's episode, I've got to remind you about all the extra content we've got for our patrons, our members of the Lions of Liberty Pride. You can find out more over at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. But guys, for as little as $5 a month, you can help support this, your favorite libertarian podcast, the greatest libertarian variety show on earth. Uh, if three shows per week, three free shows wasn't enough for you, guess what? There is so much more behind the paywall over on our Patreon. We have Conspiracy Corner. We have Degenerate Gamblers. We have bonus live streams, bonus segments with guests early episode releases of many of my interviews, and we really, really work hard to make sure we are delivering quality content and really getting you value for your money. So we don't just expect you to throw money at us, although that's nice too. You can do that by donating directly on our website, lionsofliberty.com, and over at paypal.me slash lionsofliberty. But if you want to be a recurring donor, the best place to do so is at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. And if all of the bonus content and perks weren't enough, you also get 20% off merchandise at our store. Over at lionsofliberty.store, we have t-shirts, we have coffee mugs, we have beanies, we have so much Lions of Liberty gear, and we have some pretty damn cool designs, I gotta say. Uh, We have our wax on, tax off shirt, we have our tax Taxation is death shirt and so many more designs. You can find them all at lionsofliberty.store. But don't forget to first join up on Patreon. Get yourself that discount. Find us at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. We need to empower people with not just the philosophical tools, but the inspiration to break free from the system. Welcome to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly dose of education, inspiration, and real-world application from the top minds in the liberty movement. If you want liberty, we need to be better leaders, better husbands, better fathers, better friends, better businessmen. We need to be better people. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right. With me today, she is a a practicing immigration attorney for over 15 years based out of Miami. She's originally from Venezuela. I'm very pleased to be speaking with Maria Trina Burgos. Maria, are you ready to roar? I am. Indeed. I knew you would be because you were actually originally uh, connected to me for actually a personal matter. And maybe I'll get into that a little bit. But uh, you were connected to us through a mutual friend of the show, uh, a guy named Fergus Hodgson. He's appeared on my show. He's been on on all our shows here on the the Lions of Liberty Network here. He recently appeared on Finding Freedom uh, with John Odermatt. So uh, when Fergus recommended you to me for some questions I had uh, with my own immigration matter, uh, I know we we, we had a good connection and I really thought you have a really good story and uh, your your background would really help help people shed a little bit of light on uh, the immigration process, uh, if you can call it that here here in the United States. Uh, so I just want to start off, Maria, learning a little bit more about your own story. Uh, what first brought you here to the U.S. from Venezuela? In fact, let's go a little even further back. What was it like for you uh, actually growing up in Venezuela? Well, actually, it was fine. Uh, it was, I was an attorney there. I graduated in Venezuela, Catholic University. I was practicing. I have a good life. Uh, then um, I uh, started seeing in the office that I was working for people. People need to, you know, have a second language, which would be English, and then to get, you know, go up in the change of command in the law firm. So I thought about it to come to the States, uh, 
um, improve my English because I studied English when I was 17 years old in Michigan. Then I go back to Venezuela and then I improve my English and take a master's of uh, LLM in, in law. So then the idea was to come back to Venezuela and had a better job um, in a law firm. Okay, now she speaks English and she's bilingual. She can review some international contracts. And that was the idea at first. So I came in 1998 um, to Georgetown University for the English program. And then I got admitted in William & Mary, the College of William & Mary, which by that time, nobody knew, like in my family, what was that college, because people believe that college, and that's the wrong idea, is a college. So it's not a university, but it is. Anyway, so when I see now, I'm very proud of William & Mary, graduate from there. When I see, when I say, um, William & Mary, oh my God, Maria, you got to admit there. That's very hard to get there, so, to get in there. So that's really nice. Anyway, so I took my, my LLM one year, and then, remember, it was 2000 then, Mr. Chavez was already in Venezuela, mm -hmm. so uh, two years in power. When I called my old boss, um, he said, okay, if you got a job there, you better stay, because mm -hmm. things are not going well here. Mm -hmm. uh, we are very concerned about this guy. So I found a job as a paralegal in a law firm in Miami, corporate law firm, very fancy. And I spent then five years as a paralegal. And it was at the beginning, um, it was like, okay, I'm a judge there. I'm an attorney. I'm going to be a paralegal. So I have to, you know, go steps down. And I was really uh, upset. But then I thought about it. I mean, I had an opportunity to work in a law firm. Uh, I learned to fill out forms, which people now think is very easy, which is not, and it's very dangerous when you don't know how to fill out a form. People think it's very easy. As I say, you are under oath. You cannot lie. You cannot make any mistakes in a form. So I did that for five years, especially in business visas. Then I passed the Virginia bar because I studied in Virginia, and then I asked for a better position. So anyway, we couldn't get to an agreement in that, so I left the firm, and I started working for another attorney for one year, and then I decided to open my own firm in Miami. So that was in 2006. Since then, I've been doing immigration law. So you, you never intended to immigrate here, at least not at the time. You were just coming here for a better education, a better opportunity that could actually help your career back in Venezuela. But here we are. <laughs> That's correct. Here we are. And I came with my two little children, small children. They were 10 and 8. Now they are 32 and 31. And they, I mean, of course, they stay with me and they graduate in a very, very um, Ivy Leagues and, and they are working very, they're doing very well now. Uh, but of course, our roots are still in Venezuela. We still, uh, they travel every year. Well, after, before the pandemic, of course, uh, I'll try to be uh, prudent, you know, to uh, travel a lot because of the dangerous things there. But um, now we're here and they say, oh, my mom, mom that decision you made to stay was hard because I was alone with my two kids. And then now it, it was worth it. So now, now we see back and we are happy, really. So have you, have you even been back to Venezuela since you came here? Yes, um, not that often, especially after Chavez was getting power, more power. Um, the things were getting very dangerous in Caracas and, you know, with um, crime. And then... Um, the things about um, the travel, and I was, I represented some people from Venezuela in asylum cases that they were enemies from the regime there. So 
maybe I'm not that important, but I really <laughs> was scared to go back there. So I didn't want to go to the airport and say, hey, you are the attorney for these guys. So, right, you right. Know. And it's been a while. It's been uh, seven, uh, eight years since I haven't go back. And do you think that the current situation there is just a, it's, it's just gotten too bad to even consider going back at this time? I mean, what, how do you how do you kind of see the current situation from just just from you know from most of your contact with Venezuela being from your family and friends at this point? Y- yes. Okay. Now, of course, with the pandemic, it's very dangerous sure, yeah. to go there. Add, add that on top of that, it's even it's even on top even of that. More. And yeah. then the travel, the traveling, there is no direct flight. You have to travel through Mexico or through Panama. It's very complicated to go there now. So I wouldn't recommend, really. But you know what? There's a lot of people making big money in Venezuela now. So that's what we call the enchufados. Uh, you have to find out that word. Enchufado is the unplug. When you plug or unplug something, a cable. So okay. you, the verb is enchufar. So that person is enchufado because it's taking uh, advantage with the government and they don't care about the regime. They don't care about the dictatorship, totalitarian, whatever they are. They're getting a lot of money. Um, and that's for real. I'm not inventing this. I'm not creating this. So, so what, are, what, are they, what do they actually do? Are those people that are like smugglers or what, what are they actually? No, they have, they have a legitimate business. But when people, okay, what is uh, something that is missing? We need oil for the cars, you know, right. motor okay. oil. So they start, uh, they get uh, the permission to import the oil and then they go, of course, they give some money to the person or authorize that, you know, the custom officer or something. So a lot of people making yeah, money yeah. With, uh, with food. So now at this moment, if you go to Venezuela, you will say, oh, but nothing is happening. Everybody's so happy here. That's not mm-hmm. true, of course. But that's the other side that you see. There are a lot, there are a lot of bodegones. Bodegones is everything that you didn't find before, like olive oil, delicatesses, chocolate, a lot of things, very expensive. Everything is with the dollar. So it's very sad because there is another part of town which is very poor, is very hungry and doesn't have the uh, means to buy anything or to go to the health service to get the vaccine or something, any, any medicines for the kids. Very hard, very hard. So the, these guys you're describing, they kind of, these are guys that kind of take advantage of the situation, uh, but they are able to use sort of contacts from the, within the government, kind of bribe them or what have you, and then they can get the products and then they can get those products that are really hard to find out to people. Um, so they're providing a service. They're also doing it in sort of a, a cronious way. So depending on your perspective, you might see them as good guys, bad guys, but either way, they don't care who's in charge. Yeah. They're going to be doing that's, this. That's the way it is. You got it completely correct. You know who else gets things completely correct? What do you think of this transition, guys? It's our friends over at Good Morning Liberty, our friends Nate and Charlie. Uh, If you are impressed by the output here at Lions of Liberty with three unique shows each and every week, you're going to be blown away by the content that Nate and Charlie are putting out over at Good Morning Liberty. These guys do it five, five, five days per week. My God, they even record the show live for their patrons. Uh, These guys are awesome libertarians. They both have worked in the healthcare industry, so they definitely have a unique perspective on a lot of the problems that go through that segment of the industry. And they really do a great job of breaking down current events, breaking down those headlines through the liberty perspective. And again, they do it five days a week. 
absolutely mind-blowing. They do phenomenal work. They are great supporters and fans and patrons of this program, and they deserve your support as well. So if you haven't been listening, please do go check out Good Morning Liberty. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can check out their website, BernieLies.com. What a freaking awesome URL. Back to the show. One thing I want to talk about, too, is, is your initial, when you initially came over here to the United States, was that difficult for you to at all to get here and, and, you know, just get that initial permission to come as a student? Or was it fairly simple as long as you had, you know, gotten admission to the, to the university? Well, it was, oh, I went to the embassy. Uh, I got my F1, I-20, uh, because I was the admission uh, for Georgetown University, um, because they know it's, it's not cheap. Georgetown is a very, you know, well-known university, because some people now, they, uh, you go to a cheap college, so they... Mm, they don't like that. So probably they deny the visa because I was spending really? a lot of money in the, yeah. So they'll, they'll deny you if you got into like a very inexpensive college. Cause they'll think that that just means you're not, you're, you're just trying to get in yes. there. Yes. They know it's that you want to go there. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. So then I had the English program and then William and Mary, which is the LLM, which was also very expensive. So anyway, so they approved the visa. And uh, when I went uh, to Holland, I mean, to the law firm that I was working, they uh, sponsored me for an H-1B visa, H-1B. So they put me as an international paralegal because it's a specialty occupation, the H-1B. So I started working as an international legal professional uh, because paralegal is not a specialty occupation. I mean, everybody can be a paralegal, but for the H-1B, they even did that. They even... Uh, put a job description much specialized for because I speak Spanish, international, and everything. So uh, the question about the hardest thing, not for the visa, the visa was a smooth process. They approved the visa, so I came here. Is of course, the adaptation, um, especially Virginia. Uh, I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to, uh, it was very hard for me to understand the mm-hmm. accent. Yeah, yeah. Southern accent. And also, because I, I, I would say, I don't understand, this is the South. What is in the south? We're in north. This is snowing. <laughs> this is so cold. South is south, south. People say, no, Virginia is a southern country. Anyway, so it was hard to understand and get catch of the accent for the teachers. And I'm saying in a good way because, of course, I had to. Now I, I understand much better. So, but the English, um, when you, you have to take the TOEFL, the, the test as a second language, and I got a very high score, very fancy high score. And I say, good. For three months, I didn't understand anything in the class, nothing. So that was, I was crying. I was saying, what is this? The book, huge books in law school, you know how they are? Yeah, yeah. And then I said, what is this? Why, why, why did I pass this test? I, did, I don't know anything. About, I don't know English at all. So anyway. Because yeah, you, you can know a language uh, textbook-wise. You can understand it. But then it's, it's one thing to know it in your mind. It's a completely other thing, uh, as I have found, <laughs> to just to be immersed and thrown into it in real life, where you actually have to react in real time. And meanwhile, you're trying to chase the words and translate. And that's just... Uh, yeah, that, that, that you can't you can't just learn that from a textbook, no matter how well you know the language. Exactly, but that's I'm still learning. I I use the vocabulary book that my kids use in the school, <laughs> and I still use that because um I always want to learn new words and understand. So I always do like you know the lecture and the, the reading comprehension and mark the words. I, I I like to do that and improve my English every every time. So did, did you go into uh, immigration law specifically for for a reason, or is it just kind of where you ended up? Well, that was what, what, how I ended up, because that was the only... I had a friend 
who called that law firm. I say, I have this lady and, and he said, okay, I can help you, but we only have an opening for immigration. That's what I told you. I said, immigration, paralegal. Oh my God, no. What are you <laughs> thinking? I'm an attorney in Venezuela. I have a LLM, you know, I'm like, oh, and then this guy say, okay, that's what we have. So take it or leave it or go whatever. So I took it and that was the best decision in my life. I love immigration. I really like when Mark people get a green card, when people get a citizenship, and this is a long way. Um, and of course, is the is the happiness of being the kids, the family here, is very hard. The, the the road is very hard. A lot of hurdles, a lot of bumpings, a lot of. But um, if you do it legally, you can do it. You can do it. Um, immigration system is very complicated, but is. Um, and you need to be uh, advised. You need to be um, to ask a professional. You cannot do it yourself or a paralegal or a notary because then you're gonna end up deported. So pretty bad situation, people. And also they they don't take me wrong about the notaries. I'm a notary, but you can be a notary if you pass an uh, online course for four hours. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Then. Uh, um, you can be a notary, but notaries, they just fill out forms, okay? Uh, the attorney has to, a license and then can give advice. The notary cannot give you any advice at all, and they do. So they tell you, okay, yeah, you qualify. Yes, we can do that. No, no, don't put that. Don't put that you've been arrested. Don't, don't, don't say that. Right. You know what they do. So they, they do a lot of harm to a lot of people and, and charge a lot of money, not cheap, you know? Sorry, the, are you describing like some of these services that, that I've seen in my search out here, which I, I didn't go with because I wanted to actually hire an attorney because, you know, this is a, I, of course, many people that follow the show and follow me and, you know, follow me on Facebook or what have you know my personal life that, uh, you know, I got married last year. My wife is from Mexico. So we are currently in, in the middle of an immigration process. Uh, and and the way we're doing it, getting married, uh, I mean, that is that is like the easiest way to immigrate. Uh, you know, we got married and that's why she's coming here. But uh, for most people it's that just want to come here, uh, you you know, it's and, and I, even this path that we're taking, while it's the easiest path, it's a difficult one. It's a long one. It it's is. a hard one. It's a bumpy one. And this is the way that should be the smoothest. So I can't I can't even comprehend people that are trying to do it for, for a variety of other reasons. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've seen these services in, that you're describing out there where, you know, they just say, you know, give us, you know, pay us a couple hundred bucks and we'll do all the paperwork for you. But that's not the same as an attorney. So just for anybody out there, um, there are pitfalls to a lot of these things that might like, oh, just for a couple hundred bucks, we can have it all done. But yeah, but that's not legal advice. And in a situation like this, you really need legal advice because this is this is serious stuff. Yes, it's very serious. It's your future in this country, the future of you and your family. And as you said, because a lot of people get married, of course, for papers. And that's also very dangerous because that's fraud. Mm -hmm. And if you get caught in the fraud, then you cannot go back to this country ever. Even it's like a, a you know, drug crime or something. Uh, you are not allowed. You're inadmissible for life. And people do that and pay a lot of money. This is crazy, really. And and I always advise, don't do that. Just don't do it. Just stay in your, in your country and then try to do another thing with a job, employment, um, lottery visa, if you qualify. There is a lot of other options when you to come to the States instead of getting married, you know, by fraud. All right. So let's, let's dig a little bit into 
the legal immigration process, because we, we hear a lot about illegal immigration. We hear a lot about the problems with illegal immigrants. Uh, let's put that to the side and just focus on the legal aspect, because one thing I want to highlight is, you know, you often hear a lot of people to say, well, they should just come legally, uh, should just come legally. And I, I'm not taking a position that someone shouldn't come legally. I don't think anybody should break the law if they can avoid it, because it's probably going to end up uh, in a bad situation for you. However, to say that so flippantly really shows a lack of understanding of what that really means. So so let's put the marriage thing aside because uh, that's not really an immigration method as much as, as it is kind of it should be anyway the reverse you happen to find the person you love happen to want to get married and then you, then you have to deal with immigration because of it but there are many people that do things the other way uh, and uh, they're they're trying to immigrate to the US for a, a variety of other reasons whether it's business reasons just a new opportunity or what have you what is the average person in um, kind of have to go through to get here in the first place and uh, I guess when I say average person maybe we want to focus on um, a country besides, let's say, I think, because I think for uh, Europeans and Australians, I believe it's fairly easy to come to the U.S. Um, as I don't know the exact phrase, but there's some kind of visa where you don't actually need a visa. If you're from those countries, you can kind of just show up. But that's not the case uh, for most of the world. Yeah, let me explain that to you. Um, OK, we have two types of immigrants, people who don't care how come here, you know, cross the border and stay here or come with a visa and stay here illegally. It's like I remember when you, an example, okay, when you come and visit me in my house, I invite you to come here, and then you stay like three months. Oh my God, I want him to leave. What do you, I have to go <laughs> things? I have to do it's the same thing. Why should I, why you should stay here in my country? With, I invited you to come, and then you have to leave. You have a day to leave, and then you don't leave. So that's breaking the law. The other type of people, they don't care. They don't, they don't do anything to get uh, documents or papers. The other group, uh, there are a lot of countries who has a treaty with the United States. Treaty is um, the investor visa. And for example, Australian has a, a A3 visa, which is very good. E3 uh, is employment visa for Australians. And also Chile has a, an employment visa, H1B, but they have to be uh, an agreement between both countries. And it's really good when United States get in an agreement with that country because that country has shown that this, you know, that a lot of people are staying here legally. They are not staying legally. For example, Chile used to have the ESTA for a long time ago and they got cut off, got suspended. And then they have it again. The ESTA is the same thing for Europeans country. They don't come with a visa. It's a visa waiver. It's very strict. People think that, oh, I'm, I'm the best. I, I don't need a visa. I come with the ESTA. ESTA is the worst because you have 90 days to be here. You cannot stay. You cannot change. You cannot extend the status. So you have to leave right away. So here in the pandemic, it was a mess with all these people who had to stay because yeah. ESTA is very strict. So I'm, I'm betting a lot of people who will, that already left, but they pass away the 90 days, they have a problem too. They will have a problem. I hope the government will say, okay, all these people with ESTA, we're going to for, uh, forgive all these things, we're going to waive this thing, and then you can come back. But right. because the ESTA is in a computer, it's not a person. Right. So when you put, the, they see the time you stay here, they will deny your ESTA for the next so, time. So if someone were to stay here for 85 days, was planning to fly out on day 86, but then the pandemic hit, their flights were canceled, they ended up here, let's say, 93 days, that could then be a mark on their record and they might face some, some problems trying to come back. 
Immigration tried to do something very complicated with a telephone call. It was really hard. You couldn't call like a month before. You have to call like three or four or five days before they call you back. Some people could do it, uh, the extension for a month, but other people couldn't, couldn't do anything. So the other thing is the tourist visa, which is the six months. Then you can change that status. You can change to a student. You can extend that for a year. You can be here as a tourist for, a, for one year, um, and then you have to leave. Anyway, the other people who come here is for worker, workers' um, employment visas. Mexico and Canada, they have the NAFTA, which is a very good program, and they have the TN, the TN for Mexicans, the TN for Canadians. So there is a list of professions that you can bring those people to the United States to work. There is the agricultural program, H2A, which is very good for Mexicans. The problem is that this is seasonal workers. Mark, and then when you finish, you have to go back. The problem is they don't go back, they stay it's illegal. So they, you know, break the law and then they, they get out any, they break any opportunity that to come back and work legally and then go back to the country and then come back. No, they, some people stay here and they just break the law. And they don't go back largely people like that because they're afraid if they do go back, they won't be able to get back here. Is that right? Exactly. Or they see, okay, they see the difference, of course. They're getting money in dollars. They can send money to the families. Mm-hmm. Families could get a better life and they're here working. So if they can extend that, even even because with the agriculture visa, they have to be paid legally what the Department of Labor says. You cannot exploit them. But when once the, the work is finished, maybe they can get, you know, uh, lower income, they, they are paid in cash, but they get money anyway. So they can send money to the family. Right, so people might be a farm worker. Their time might be up. Then they might say, they might make a little deal and say, look, I, I'm supposed to leave, but I, I want to keep working for you. Maybe you can pay me, me cash on the side. And, and for yeah. that person, that cash they're making on the side is still, you know, it's still huge yeah. compared to what they might make otherwise. And there is an issue, an issue with the, for example, Venezuelan people who are suffering a lot there now, and they're here legally. They don't care, Mark. They, I ask them, why are you here illegally? You have, I don't care. I'd rather be here illegally than legally in Venezuela. I mean, like, right. because we have a car, my kids go to school, I have mm-hmm. a job, maybe on the side, cash, but they can rent an apartment in Miami. No, no, very expensive, of course, but they issue efficient system also. So, you know, they have a decent life, even if they're legal, illegal in the United States. Right. So, you know, it's kind of balancing what you're going to do. And now Venezuela, you will never emigrate anywhere. On the contrary, we're a country of people come to, to, the, to, to Venezuela, Portuguese, Spanish, Italian, a lot of people from Colombia. Oh, my goodness. For Colombian people who still live in Venezuela, they got a very good uh, change in the currency with the Bolivar and the Peso. Now, not anymore. Now, all Venezuelan people are in Colombia now. So it's kind of sad story, really. But about uh, going back to immigration is um, hard. It's not impossible. Uh, It's very hard. Um, But you have to get um, professional advice because also other attorneys also, they tell you what you want to hear. Mm. Like there is a visa, very fancy for an Italian visa. And then say, no, you qualify. You $15,000, you pay that. And then was a lie. You didn't qualify. So, but that attorney got their fees regardless of whether yeah. that person qualified or not. And my my advice is, it's like the health. You you don't play with your health, so you go and find a different opinion. Uh, some people do the consultation for free. I don't. There's another attorney who 
pay, uh, charge $100, $250, and people do it for free. People say, oh, you should do it for free. It's your time and it's information that you're going to give to the person to be safe in the United States. Uh, most of the attorneys who do the free consultation is just 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and that's it. And it's really a, a sales call at that point. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I, let's, let's be honest here. if you're Because if you only have a few minutes with someone and you're given the free time, all you're really trying to do is to land that sale. Uh, so as someone who's, been, who's spoken to many attorneys, I can say like the, the free consultation is usually, it ends up just more of, all right, so here, so when can you give us money? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's my... Um, policy could, could say that and when people call the program uh, later on i give the most because time of course is you know of the essence they're running out of time i try to give the most complete answer to that person i said okay you have to fill out the 130 you have to pay 535 you have to send that that this and this and that's it they don't they will need to call me they, they will need to call, won't call me maybe they will call me two years later because they remember that i told them everything mm-hmm. because i don't it's as you said, I don't need a contract. I don't need, I want them to know what they're doing. Some people send, you know, emails very long and say, listen, no, I'm not going to answer that. You, you need to make a consultation because that's, that's abusive, you know. But um, as I said, it's uh, people, if I can help people that they don't need to go to an attorney and they can do themselves their things, I'll do it. But it's complicated immigration. And as I said, now on the 1998, when I came to the States, and now what I'm doing, I'm very proud of what I'm doing now. Um, I'm very concerned about the, uh, we call in Spanish, viveza criolla. Criolla is like, okay, when you want to lie in the form or, okay, I ask the, the person, have you ever been arrested? Mm, okay. When they say, mm, I say, <laughs> okay, you know the let's, yes, right. <laughs> let's go back again, please. And then a lot of my, my compatriotas Venezuelan, they always Go to the other answer. Okay. Are you married? Yes or no? Well, I, okay. What are you <laughs> These are questions me? that really should have a very straightforward answer. <laughs> so then when they, I say, okay, no, let's go back again. This is people that are looking to you for advice, but they're even afraid to even tell you certain answers because they're afraid that, that the truth of whatever it may be will mess up their, what they're trying to do. And yeah. And then I've been in the interview and then the officer said, okay, you have an arrest uh, 20 years ago. And I said, what? And, oh, yeah, well, but it wasn't an arrest. It wasn't an arrest. It doesn't matter that you don't have any handcuffs, okay? Right. <laughs> anyway, so that's the problem. So I try to, you know, assert the person, okay, you're telling me the truth. Don't lie on the oath. It's not my problem. It's your problem. What are some of the biggest challenges that people that are trying to do things absolutely the right way, they're not lying to you, they're telling the truth, they're doing everything by the letter, and yet they still run into something that that causes an issue. What are some of the issues that people that you find, um, besides people that are actually trying to commit fraud or not being honest, that people that are doing everything right still run into, even though they're doing everything as they should? Yeah, we have some cases like that because there is I don't want to jinx myself here. (laughs) There is a word, which is discretion, discretionality with the officer. So probably that's why the immigration attorney can no guarantee results ever. Right. But something, a straight case, like, okay, um, the marriage is fine. Shouldn't be any problem. But then you, you have like a talent visa, an artist. You bring an artist, a singer, uh, and then uh, everything is fine. And then, okay, no, I don't think you are an, ex, an extraordinary ability. I don't think that. So then we have to appeal. So then what happened? 
That's why I say, okay, we have 70, 30%. We have, but we couldn't, the problem is the discretionality of the officer. Hmm. So that's the main thing that you can find because nothing is granted in immigration. And then they look at the list with everything, the parameters, everything it has to be there. And then if something is missing, they deny the visa. So sometimes they're very harsh. I mean, it's the same thing anytime that anyone who's not a citizen, essentially, even someone with a green card, I think, is theoretically subject to the discretion to some extent of, of border patrol. So the person at the border, for all you know, could just be having a bad day. and, and Or maybe the person at USAS is just having a bad day and just, you know, they look at one thing and just decide, well, I don't believe you. I think you're yeah. I think you're I think you're a fraud or something. And then you it doesn't bet, matter. Even you, if you are, you still have to go. Yeah. Now you have to go back and try to try to sort that yes. out. You got a very important point when people believe when you are a green card holder that your problems are solved. No yeah, way. Every time you travel overseas, even you are a U.S. citizen, you are subject to the admission. But usually U.S. citizen, they don't get any problem getting admitted unless the guy is a criminal or something. But green card holders. There is no guarantee that they will allow to get in. So just be careful. If you have something 20 years ago, maybe a misdemeanor, maybe you went to the store and took something and then you could have problems. You could be put in removal. They should, they should let you in, but they take the green card and they put you in removal. So you have to fight your green card with the judge. But it's a bad time. I mean, you have a you know rough moment. You don't want to be in there in that moment. So my advice, as soon as you can become a U.S. citizen, don't leave it for 10 years later because be a U.S. citizen. You can get arrested, but you cannot be deported when you are a U.S. citizen, of course. So especially young people, my kids, when they were in school and college, they were legal permanent residents. And I, was, I couldn't sleep until they became U.S. citizens because of the problems. You know, there a lot of cases in my office, they came, you know, young people, the mothers really concerned about them because they were in a discotheque, something, dancing, whatever, and they come, the police, and they were drugged, and maybe the guy didn't do anything, but they were ended up with all these people arrested and then get a, a start proce removal proceedings. So yeah. why it has to be that way? So become a U.S. citizen as soon as you can do it, of course, and behave until you become a U.S. citizen, of course. And then you can go around breaking laws. and Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you can do whatever. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a big difference. And again, as someone who's, who's going through this process uh, with my wife, uh, with her young son, there, there's so much that we're we're trying to sort out. And, you know, we are we are basically the epitome of people that are doing it right, that are that have all the paperwork lined up. Uh, really, we check every box. There's no reason anything should be denied. And, you know, God forbid, nothing will be. But even with us, it's it's I mean, the the, the amount of time it's just that it's taking and that it looks like it's going to take is just, it's just mind boggling. Uh, I mean, so even yeah. if you're doing everything right, patience, I guess, is the key, is, is the big yeah, key Yeah, patience is the key and people are, oh, you always say be patient. There is nothing I can do. You have to be patient. Okay, I hope this new administration, there are a lot of promises with immigration and then, of course, the backlog with the citizenship. They have a lot of people waiting for an interview before the pandemic, before the pandemic, not, not because of the pandemic. So a lot of uh, cases, asylums are backlog, and marriage interviews are backlog. So of course they get worse with the pandemic. So now they didn't get the money to get the the person, the the staff to start working and and, and be, do the things really really fast and get because there are a lot of other uh, cases that they can be. They don't need an interview. Marriage they need an interview, but. 
for example, for example, the fa- the son acting for the father when the the son is a U.S. citizen, you don't need an interview for that. And then they're doing interview now. So just send the green card. They used to be that before for security reasons. Now they're doing interview. What, what does that interview even entail? Are, are you really his father? Yes. Uh, I mean, what, well, what more, what more well, do you, you to know say? where you're going to believe it. Uh-huh. I had to take now pictures when people were babies because they said, even if you are the father or the mother, if you don't, didn't take care of, of him or her, we're in trouble. So I, I give the first communion, baptism, uh, pictures where the baby was born in the hospital. And I have to take those because people get, okay, so people are not strange. So, you know, anyway, so that's that. But any, so the problem is um, a lot of things that can be done without interview. So take all that thing because they have the FBI thing. They have the FBI, FBI fingerprints. You can clear that person with the FBI fingerprints. Because people say, no, we need an interview for what? You, if the person, of course, has the uh, criminal record, you don't send the green card. You just bring them for an interview or deny the green card right away. So there is ways that they can improve the things, I hope. Yeah, I never know what to believe when it comes to uh, political commentary surrounding this stuff, because political commentary always comes with, you know, with some set of some preposition. So I'm curious, from your perspective, do do you think that did, did Donald Trump uh, some of the actions he take? Did that did that really clog up the immigration system? Because I hear that a lot, but you never know what what to believe if, if something's just being said because it's political or how how real on the ground were any of Trump's actions as it relates to legal immigration. Well, he came really harsh with immigrants, but. Um, setting aside political views, I agree with him with a lot of his policies. Because, as I said, if you open the borders, it's going to be very dangerous uh, security for security reasons. And then, of course, people can come legally to the United States and immigrate. The point system like Canada, Australia, that doesn't work. We have a very good system for immigration to come, like a special occupation, professionals, engineers, computer science. We have the H-1Bs. That's amazing. And they need to increase because um, President Trump was concerned about the American people and the competition. And then, of course, that's why he, he banned the, the visas, working visa, because a lot of people were getting unemployment. That's true. I mean, that, that happened. So now if the country going to be in recovery and everything, employment, you can start bringing people, bringing people, uh, professionals to the states. I, I agree with that. But some of the other things about the, the wall, for example, I don't care about the wall, but the wall was building. It was being built. So then stop the building, the building of the wall, and then the money. And, and then, okay, so that's stop. The thing about Biden, I, we look like third world countries like Venezuela and South America, because when the new government comes, then I take out everything you did, even if the things were good, okay? For example, I'll give you an example today, a new regulation, the... Citizenship examination is very easy. So they ha- they want to go back. They say it already. For the 2008 test and the old one, because uh, Trump, the administration in December, put a, a new one with a little bit more questions, a little bit more, more difficult, but really easy, really. And because people need to speak English when you go to the examination. And they say, no, the, the new test is is hurting the people and it's, it's bringing back a lot of, uh, please, how many minutes you would spend with three or more questions in the interview? So that's not a backlog. That's not the reason for a backlog. Anyway, it's just because mm-hmm. Trump did it. 
Anyway, right, so. Right, right. so like he, he would do things like that, like like change the test, and people would say that's causing a backlog. Regardless of your position on whether they should change the test, that's not causing a backlog. <laughs> exactly. So now they have to be improved, and people people need to get into the English test, and, and you know. Anyway, so as, as I say, aside political issues, uh, whether people ask for the immigration reform, I'm. I, my opinion in immigration reform is it has to be done. It has, we need an immigration reform. Why? Because there are 12 million people more here in the States that we need to solve this problem. They break the law. Yes, they did. So, but some people are good people. Some people pay taxes, have their kids here for a long time. And, and it's not, it's not going to give you a price, but we give you uh, a Pass for the green card, you pay a fine, a lot of money, but gonna enter to the treasury if you pay a fine, $5,000 fine, they will pay for that. And then uh, you get a green card and then citizenship. All the people who have committed crimes, you have to go back to your country. So we don't want you here. That cleaning thing can be done. That's my opinion. The problem now is that Immigration is a social issue for me. It's not a political issue. But every time it is a campaign, every time the senators and, and representatives start discussing, oh, my votes, my votes, my votes. So, right, you know. right. So uh, one last question, uh, I guess, on somewhat of the political end. Do you see any kind of hope that the Biden administration, for all, uh, all the criticisms that uh, they'll definitely get from libertarians, is there a chance that there will actually be sort of a, a better, more streamlined legal immigration process even not even not even looking at the illegal immigrant uh, side of things. I don't think so. I think it will come. It, people will be coming, and they will be allowed. They will be allowed to come in the states because they now the MPP, the Mexican Protocol, that they they are waiting there. Now they're getting they're letting in. They start doing six hundred people daily. So that those people will be coming to the United States. Will be will enter the United States, and then they will see the case here. That's Biden administration. The uh, Trump administration was you have to wait outside for your court hearing. So anyway, so it's going to be what? Encourage a lot of people, Mark, to come to the States because every time you will come and they will allow you to, to enter. All right. Well, Maria, thank you so much uh, for sharing uh, your time with us no, and a please. little bit of your insight. Um, I, just before I let you go, because uh, you know I've spoken to you uh, about some legal matters, and I, I have found your time personally helpful uh, quite a bit. So I just want to let let you uh, provide the information for your practice for how people can, can contact you in case someone listening right now uh, is in the middle of an immigration matter or does have some questions and does want to seek uh, some some legal advice. And I have to say, as, as someone that has uh, you know uh, taken a paid consultation with you because I had such bad experiences with with free consultations, uh, it's definitely worth it to to pay for one uh, if, if you do have questions. Whether it's with you or some or somebody else, it may not be the same. But I, I think it is important to to know you're getting good advice and good advice that isn't going to turn into a sales pitch. Uh, that it's it's just about actually that day and what you're trying to talk about at, at the time. But feel free to go and uh, plug away on your practice and g- give out any uh, contact information you have. Thank you, thank you, Mark. Uh, I really appreciate that opportunity. And um, okay, my office is in Florida. It doesn't matter where I am because immigration is federal law. Federal law is the same law in the 50 states. So no, it's not that in California it's going to be your citizenship faster than in Florida because it's three. No, it's the same law everywhere. So I'm allowed to practice law in the United States in the 50 states. Okay, I have the Virginia bar. Um, so anyway, the phone number you can reach me is 305-468-0044. I, I can give you the um, 
the email that you can write me, I receive it by myself. Nobody else can see the email is info, the word info, at M as Maria, T as in Trina, and my last name, mtburgos.com. I hope you understand that, mtburgos.com. That's the email. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Maria Trina Burgos. It's, it's, it's not private, it's public. You can watch me, the programs, um, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We have a program there answering questions. And Twitter. I love Twitter, at Abogada Burgos, because somebody took Abogado Burgos, so I have to put Abogada Female. Abogada Burgos is my Twitter. And then you can follow me and then answer um, ask questions I answer. I try to get better and better in technology. I'm learning and I'm getting much better. So be patient. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Maria. I appreciate, appreciate all your time today. Keep up the great work. Keep on roaring. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. All right, kitty cats. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with the great Maria Trina Burgos. If you are in any step of the immigration process, I, I cannot recommend uh, anyone quite as highly as Maria Trina Burgos. Uh, she is based out of Miami, uh, but again, it doesn't really matter where you are physically if you are dealing with any kind of immigration issue. She is definitely someone uh, I can speak from personal experience that can give some great advice. So I will link to all the ways to contact her in today's show notes. And I wanted to do this episode. To Today. Um, it's, it's, I guess it's a little bit of a, a peek behind the scenes of my personal life. I haven't gotten into it too much on this show. There may be a time in the future where I get into it a lot more, but uh, you know, I, I am going through the immigration process uh, with my wife, who is from Mexico, and we have been uh, going through that for six or seven months now. And I can just say from personal experience, as people who are doing everything right, as people who are you know just, just a couple of people who are, are in love and got married, uh, it is extremely, extremely, extremely difficult and grueling of a process, even when you do everything right, even when you uh, do everything by the books or what have you. And uh, there will become a day where I will probably uh, detail some things about this process and the problems that I see in the system uh, in greater you know, in greater detail. But you know, we're still kind of in that process right now. So I'm going to hold back on a lot of things right now. But uh, for the time being, I really wanted to share a little information about the process with you guys uh, from the perspective of someone who has actually been an immigrant themselves and worked with many er immigrants as a lawyer. And if, like I mentioned, uh, Maria was recommended to me by good friend Fergus Hodgson, a guy you got to be following. Had a great interview recently over on Finding Freedom with John Odermatt. So be sure to check that one out. I'll link to it in today's show notes as well. Uh, but that's it for this week. Don't forget you got Brian McWilliams every single Wednesday with his unique brand of comedy, culture, and liberty over at Electric Liberty Land while John wraps things up on Thursdays with his look into all things freedom over on Finding Freedom. You get all these shows, all these shows, all three for the price of one and that price is free. All you gotta do is slap that subscribe button and subscribe to Lions of Liberty wherever you listen to podcasts. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, if you just thirst for more content and you want to toss us some support, please do consider joining the Lions of Liberty Pride, becoming a patron of this show over at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, and it doesn't end there. If you just love our voices, if you're, our voices are, uh, as our, my friend Remzo puts it, audible chocolate to you, you can find us elsewhere, of course. Brian, Odie, and Rico, they have a weekly show called Bravo and Beer, where they uh, they drink and watch bad Bravo reality TV shows, and it's a, it's a real fun show to listen to. I don't even watch these shows, I just listen for the banter. Uh, so if you enjoy our banter, I think you're going to really enjoy Bravo and Beer, so check that out. And of course, every single week, every single Wednesday, myself and Remzo Martinez 
who I stole from the We Are Libertarians Network for this project. We host the weekly Second Print Comics podcast where we look at all the stories, characters, events from comic books of our youth that have inspired us into our fanhood to try to spread a little joy, spread a little cheer in these times of political difficulty, so to speak. So we want to take your minds off of things. That's what we do at the Second Print Comics podcast. Find us at secondprintcomics.com. Follow us everywhere at Second Print Pod. And just hit that damn subscribe button. Check out what we're doing. We appreciate it. Appreciate everything. Appreciate every single second, every single millisecond that you put into listening to this program and the other fine works that we do out there in the world. Until next time, my friends. Live long! And live free.